Hey, it's the Scrobots, and you're listening to Batteries Not Included. Strong and resilient family culture doesn't just magically happen, but requires hard work, intentional leadership, and constant culture building. Actually building a family takes a lot of dang hard work, huh, babe? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not been on this podcast on the show for, what, a year and a few months. And over that year and three, three, four months, it has been a pretty crazy, pretty difficult journey. We moved houses, started a business, and we have been on a really painful, painful journey when it comes to, I guess, how would, how would you frame it? Not in, you don't frame it, frame it as infertility. How do you frame that? Oh, it's been our trying to conceive journey. Baby number five. Yeah. So, yeah, not speaking infertility over myself, but it has been. I've had an infertile womb over the last three and a half years. So, and now maybe for all the guys out there, is that common? Is it common to have multiple pregnancies and then like everything's fine and then you have miscarriages and infertility? Because I think, I think as a guy, I didn't know that that was a common thing. I thought like, well, if you are able to get pregnant, it's just like that just continues. I mean, I think, yeah, in the most people would think, oh, you've had no problem getting pregnant before conceiving, giving birth. And I would, you know, often even joke like God just wants me to have lots of babies because I love being pregnant, got pregnant really easily. Um, but secondary infertility, as the internet will call it, as the you know doc- world of doctors would call it, is is mm. a little bit more common than you know I thought it was. You know, entering to this world, I, my eyes are open to so many other things that I didn't know. I mean, hormones change so much; so many different things can alter as as you get older. So there's a lot of different things at play that can then you know it, decrease or increase your chances of. Um, conceiving a baby. <laughs> mm. So in this process, I mean, we've, we've talked about this so many times. You've, and I don't know how many times we've processed through this, but in our process and your process specifically, there has been a lot of like shame and guilt that you have carried as a person in that journey of infertility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Still walking it now. Makes me emotional. Yeah. Because it is so it's a part of my everyday walk with the Lord right now. Mm. Because as women, you know, it's like first commandment, be fruitful and multiply. And I know that's a command over husband and wife, but as a woman who is the bearer of life who actually carries a baby when you can't make that happen mm. it it's a constant like i mean I, i've battled so much shame and guilt and condemnation probably over that simple thing but it's touched every area you know there's a, you often well, at least i've often heard it said like there's not one ounce of life that infertility or trying to conceive doesn't touch because mm gets to you at your very core, at mm. your very 
in some ways, identity as as us as women are to bear children, to give birth and raise godly, God-fearing, you know, men and women, children who will turn into men and women. And when that can't happen, then, yeah, lies come from every side. So it's painful. In in this process, I think, I know you've gone on this journey of, yeah, condemning yourself, trying to figure out what, what did I do wrong? What am I not doing right? How do I, how do I fix this? Uh, is it something I'm eating? Is it something I'm not eating? Is it medicine? Is it medication? Is it working out? Is it not working out? I mean, I think in the last year, I've just seen you plagued by so many emotions when it comes to this. But I feel like in the last last week or two, you're, you've come to kind of some different articulation. No? Yeah. I mean, the last month has been pretty transformational for me. And part of that, I'm such a practical... Like, what can I shift in my schedule today that's going to lead me to the person that I want to be in, you know, three months from now? And I'm always a big component of it's usually the small, seemingly insignificant things that we do or that we can alter that actually has the biggest impact on our lives. And so um, as we're leading up to Christmas, you know, you and I had just a real big, I don't know, coming to moment or just this like articulation of I am done trying to do all the things to make the things that only God can actually do happen. You know, he is the one that opens and closes the womb. And there's so much detail to the infertility and the trying to conceive process. But um, I think along the way, I'm continually faced with the reality that, um, this whole journey has never been about the fact whether I can or can't conceive or, you know, receiving the promise that we feel like God has given us or not given us or not. It's that it is the process of sanctification and the stripping and him exposing mm. the him leading us into those barren and dry places so that he can meet us there so that we can recognize our barrenness and he can fill us. You know, mm. it's like along this journey, it has been it's not about what my body is or isn't doing. It's not about what I'm doing right or wrong because I just would wrestle like it must be something I'm missing. It must be something like I just can't get it right. God clearly is trying to speak something and I am just like missing it because if I would would just grab a hold of it and understand it, God would release his blessings. It's like it touches the very core of what you really believe about God and what your relationship with God is like. And like for me, that was very exposing to be like, whoa, that's how this exchange is with the father and I. It's like, if I do these things right, then you'll bless me because I'm good enough. And God has continually broken down that lie. And I think, well, for sure, over this last five weeks, over the last month, really exposed, like, can can you actually give Mm -hmm. into the fact that it's about the process of sanctification? It's about the perseverance that I'm, producing in you through the trials you know I was saying to you yesterday like he is the potter we are the clay do we trust the potter to to make beautiful things out of us or not 
Like that is a simple question because if if we believe it, then yes, we have emotions. We're human. We're going to we struggle through discouragement and disappointment. But we're going to have a deep trust knowing that God is the potter. We are the clay. He is the father. We are his children. Mm. And he's, he's intimately involved in the whole process that we walk through in life. And mm. that's been so hard for me for whatever reason to... Yeah, I remember that. I remember that moment where we were were sitting out in the sun. I mean, here in here in the Middle East, like the the winters are so nice. You can actually be outside. And I remember sitting out in the lawn on a I think it was must have been a Friday afternoon or something. And you just sharing how it's it's almost you mentioned the potter and the clay. It's almost as if you have been the clay wrestling against the potter for mm-hmm. the last three years. Yeah. That's been three years of you fighting the reality that you're in and trying to figure out what do I have to do in my own strength to break free of this. And I remember having a conversation where essentially we just said like, we need, we need you need to lay this down. You mm-hmm. need to lay this down. I mean, honestly transparently you're you carry it so much more than i do i I care about it i passionate about it pray about it weep about it with you but on a day in day out basis as far as getting pregnant goes you're the one that's it's all consuming for you and i remember just saying man we just need to we just need to stop we just need to like let this go and i remember you just breaking down and crying Why, why maybe the question would be why did you what was it, that release of emotion in that moment that caused you to break down and cry as as i'm saying to you and you're realizing like i just have to let this go because you share how it, it's stolen so much of your life it's stolen even yesterday you're sharing how it's like as if you missed three years of our kids' lives not you haven't been you, you're so present you're with them but it's almost like your mind was distracted it's like what does that mean for you to like let that let that go and surrender? Um I think yeah, throughout this process I think what I had known about believing God for something contending for the promises of God and for the you know the, for babies which is on God's heart. He loves babies. Mm-hmm. He he commands us to be fruitful and multiply like I said earlier. And so it's like it's not something he doesn't want to do. And so I think like up until maybe that moment, just thinking if I'm not constantly thinking about it, constantly like trying to wrestle with it and figure it out, if I'm not doing my part and controlling what I can control and actually putting works to my faith, Mm -hmm. I thought, if I'm not doing that, then I, then I, I think I'm just like, for, I'm forgetting about it. I'm actually letting God off the hook in the way of like, he's promised us something. And now I've just grown, grown too weary to keep believing for it. And so it was like, I was coming head to head with that lie of being like, does that mean that, like, what does that mean for how I believe for something how do I lay something down, but yet still believe for it and keep it at the forefront of our mind and remind God of 
you know, you don't speak a word that we might hope in vain, that you're not a man that you should lie, that you are faithful to the end or your name is faithful and true. Mm. You know, he, Mm. he will do what he said he'll do, but lay something down. And I, I think it's not like I have the full answer for that, but I think in that moment, I mean, it released, it relieved some pressure off of me because I realized the immense amount of shame that I was under Mm. for so long. Um, and how that just played out in every area and the way that I felt about myself and the way that I was, you know, mothering our boys and in our relationship and friendships. And again, there's not an area it doesn't touch because it's, it is all consuming. It's like when you have a longing and desire of your heart mm-hmm. and it's not coming to pass, even though you mm. know you have a promise, you have something that you're believing for, you have words, you have, you know, words from God himself telling us like, yes, this is, this is going to come, but it's not coming yet. It's the human heart. We don't know what to, we don't know what to do with that. What do you do in the waiting? What do you do in the waiting? And so I think that has been for me, my struggle is feeling like I need to do something to release and, you know, the blessing and that God is just kind of waiting for me to get it right. God helps those who help them, themselves. You know, this I've seen, just seen so often. Yeah, it's like we have these promises that we believe for them. And at the same time, we believe that we have to be the ones that bring them about, that we have to do something to make it happen, that it's almost like, these promises aren't promises, but they're more like directions of like, you need to do this. And if you achieve this goal, that's impossible in your own strength, then I'll be pleased. Then I'll be happy. Then you'll be fulfilled. Then you'll be acceptable. And I just saw, I think from my perspective, I just saw, yeah, how heavy, how heavy you were carrying that shame. And just this, yeah, breaking free. And it's not perfect. Obviously, there's still layers that you're kind of being uncovered and sifting through and figuring out. But this like moment of like relief and freedom of like, this doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. This doesn't define who I am. And the scary feeling of, how powerless we are in so many situations in our life. We don't realize it, but truly we are absolutely powerless. Like we're absolutely, as a couple, we're absolutely powerless to conceive. Mm-hmm. And I just, we just as a couple had that moment of just surrendering of like, okay, we're absolutely powerless. So why don't we actually position ourselves as if we're powerless rather than positioning ourselves as if we're powerful to conceive as if we're we're the ones who are hold fate in our hands to make it happen for us yeah absolutely and i think you know for me i needed you to lead that conversation i needed you to have this you know as my husband to be in some ways just like cover me and release mm. that you know you've been so amazing throughout all of this we've entered into grief together but I think that moment was 
I felt like, whoa, you see the burden and the and the shame in a in a new light, and you're like, this is not yours to carry. And through yeah. you, yeah, kind of leading that conversation in that way, and basically just saying like, in so many words, enough's enough, and not in a shameful way, but being like, no, no, we are. This is still our promise. We can still believe, but God has so many other things He wants to walk with us in in the process, and um. Yeah, it shifted something in me to be like, oh my goodness. Okay, so then how do I position my position my life going forward? And like I was talking about practical things, you know, I about almost five weeks ago now, I started waking up every morning at 5.30 to get up before the kids wake up and make coffee and sit before God. And, you know, it's so crazy how like I... Often there's times I sit there and I'm like, I have nothing to give to you, God. You know, I have mm. nothing. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't have lofty prayers. I don't have these beautiful articulated words. And as much as I wrestle through it, I'm realizing like, okay, that that's actually the point. Like mm. he's bringing me to that place of um, true abandonment and empty, an empty vessel so that he can actually fill it. Mm and have something to work with. But it doesn't, it, it often doesn't feel right because I feel like I have to, mm. I guess, perform some ways. Well, even, I, I remember so many instances over the last three years where we find out that we're not pregnant and you're like apologizing, or apologizing to me. I'm like, that's so strange. Like, why, like, why are you apologizing to me that you're not getting pregnant? But going back to this point that you made of, it's almost like I had to give you permission. Like I had to cover you and like free you from that weight of shame. Because in some ways you were like, man, I need to fulfill my husband's desires. I need to, you know, I'm not fulfilling my role as a wife and I as a, as a leader, as your husband, had to cover you in that and release you from that, which that, as you said, kind of like opens up this door for you then to look inside and see, yeah, not just, you know, your, your barrenness physically, but it's realizing like, oh, actually in the deeper, deeper place inside of my soul, I too am barren. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's this uncovering of our barrenness as individuals, our barrenness as humans, our barrenness as broken people. And it goes back to what, you know, you've been processing and sharing about of, you know, it's the Lord bringing you on this journey of sanctification and bring to you to a place to realize that I am powerless, I am broken, I am needy, I am blind and have nothing to offer. I have nothing to bring. I am barren both physically and emotionally and as a human and I'm broken and empty. And I've been thinking that I could bring something to the table, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good correlation of like, wow, it's like God used the barrenness of my physical womb 
to actually expose the bareness of my soul, my my walk. And just mm. not even like, yeah, just in every area, my soul, my spirit, my just the bareness of me. <laughs> and um yeah, I just continually um one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking is like um you know we we all know about the great men and women of faith in Hebrews 11 where they talk about they greeted their promises from afar never ha- never having mm-hmm. actually received them and it goes through a whole account of you know everyone from Isaac to Jacob to Sarah and um I'm going to paraphrase it cuz I don't have Bible right in front of me, but he basically says that Abraham received promises from God because he because he did amazing things for God and he raised, you know, he was faithful in everything that God asked him to do. No, he mm-hmm. received it because he counted him the one who spoke it as faithful. Because mm. he actually just considered him faithful. He considered his faithfulness and he counted him as faithful. And he, I, I think, like, how, what do you do with that? Because, like, literally, it's just believing that you're faithful and staying in that place, even in our weariness, even in our discouragement, even in our, yeah, it, even in all those, those barren places, but, to actually consider him faithful, consider him faithful who who promised, and not um, backing down from that and being like, okay, "You st- you will still do it because mm-hmm. you always do." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Abraham, the father of our, you know, father Abraham, father of our faith. Uh, he's counted righteous and counted a, a man of faith. Because he waited, he didn't do anything. He just, he's counted righteous because of his faith. And his faith was believing God. His faith was just simply waiting. And he even greeted them from afar. He didn't even see the fullness of what he was promised in his life. And that's so contrary to the way that I at least often think about being a person of faith or having receiving the promises that we've been given. And it's just this thing of of waiting, which to me, it's just it's a, such a mystery. It's such a mystery that it is like that. And I think in part, it is like that because God is drawing us into relationship with him that the purpose of the waiting, the purpose of the long seasons of trusting, it's to draw our hearts into who he is, to draw us into relationship, to draw us into communion, to draw us into his sufferings. Otherwise, how would we ever know him in his sufferings? How would we ever know him in his, in the deep places of who Christ is. Yeah. As totally. a man of sorrow, yeah. acquainted with grief. 
Yeah. And I think that's the the thing I'm finding is he, and what can often be confusing is God speaks something super clearly and you know, whether it's through him coming and impressing something through the word or you have a dream or you just have like a clear word from God. You know, we all have different ways of of hearing from God, but where it's so clear, it's un- undoubtable. Like you can't, you can't shake it. You know mm-hmm. that it's real, but the reason, and then like oftentimes it's like, oh, well then this must be the time. This is it. This is God saying like, here it comes. It's coming around the corner. He's doing something new. But often, at least what I'm finding is that he speaks something so that when when it tarries, when the promise tarries in the waiting, in the unfulfillment of that promise being fulfilled and unfolding, that we would say, no, no, but he spoke it. Mm. And so therefore, because he's faithful and true, because he will not go back on his word, because he cannot, can't not not speak something and then not fulfill it. He can't speak it and then be like, oh, it's like, un- it, it's impossible. It's, that's he can't like, deny himself. Cannot deny yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so he- He's not a liar. He's not a man that he should lie. We can trust his yeah. word. And so it's, it can be hard to not mistake, you know, to mistake like, oh, he spoke it. So therefore it's coming right now. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, and then often it's, no, he usually speaks something so clearly um, so that we- will hold on to that promise in the tearing and in the weary waiting. Mm. I think you had a, a moment. Uh, you've had a couple of moments the last five weeks. But uh, I remember it might have been yesterday, the day, a couple of days ago, you had this aha moment. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute. This is God. God is doing this to me. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't me doing this to me. This isn't uh, the devil doing this to me. This is God testing me. This is the potter refining me. This is him bringing me through fire. Like, this is God's doing. Yeah. I think that that in and of itself is... (laughs) It's both very freeing because you're like, again, going back to, well, he knows what he's doing. He is so all wise. He's all, he's holy. He knows the beginning from the end. And so therefore we should ideally be able to just rest in that and say, okay, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust the process. And yet he made, it's like the other thing is like he made us to wrestle with him though. He actually made us wrestle with him. And so that whole wrestling has brought me to the conclusion of, okay, God, you have allowed this test to happen, you know, and famous story of Job when, when Satan Mm. himself comes to God and says, allow me, like, what about, or no, God says to Satan, what about my servant Job? Yeah. How horrible is that? It's God (laughs) that brings up to Satan, yo, Satan, want someone to annoy? What about my servant Job? Look at this godly <laughs> servant faithfully loves me. Why don't you take a jab at him? And he did. Oh, he literally terrible. ripped everything from his life. And so terrible. It's accepting and actually like finding a true, it actually feels like a true rest. It's not even, it's like um that supernatural peace, not. In, in, in an aloof way of like, okay, well, whatever happens, happens. God is sovereign. 
but it actually allows me to like rest right in the spot I'm supposed to rest as he's saying like, hey, I've actually allowed this because it's all unto your good, that everything that I am exposing, everything I'm stripping, everything that I'm revealing, this whole process, the desert seasons, the dryness, the 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 temptation to have bitterness grow in your heart, contempt, all those things are actually me drawing you out where I am so that you are continually exposed to those things in your life and then you relent yourself to me. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, James... One, consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kind for the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, perseverance. I guess it's different in different translations, but um, okay, here it is. Let the, and yeah, so count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Mm. And I, like, we've all pondered, how do you consider something so joyful? Like, how do you consider, how do you, I think we often equate like joyfulness with happiness. Like, I want to feel this feeling of happiness Mm -hmm. going through a trial, but it's what I'm, what I feel like the Lord was saying. It's like that, that knowing that I have actually allowed this trial Mm. that, you know, I've allowed the floods to, to come and the storms to rage. And in it, I've never left you. I've always, I've never forsaken you. I've not forgotten you because that was a common lie. It's like, you just must have forgotten me. How long will you forget me? Mm. And God's saying, I haven't. I've allowed it. And so in that, we can find joy because he's producing steadfastness and perseverance, which is our sanctification, which is allowing us to and, and leading us to be the men and women that we want to be, the moms and dads we want to be, the yeah. husband and wives we want to be. <laughs> and it that is like we were saying yesterday, it is, this is all that it is about. Like our sanctification is the will of God. Yeah. We you're about, just, it looks like you're about to yeah. flip to that because we were talking about that recently and saying like, do we want to know the will of God for our lives? Well, it says it right here. <laughs> it's your sanctification. And our sanctification is a process of oftentimes through trials, tribulations, like don't be surprised when you face fiery trials of many kinds because it's it as if like something crazy is happening to you because we are promised this because it's the only way that he can actually refine us. It's the only way that he can really like. It's the testing of our faith. Produce gold. Yeah, and sift I, us. It's, it's so true. <laughs> we all want to know what's the will of what's the will of God for my life. Oh, if I only knew the will of God. Now it's a good thing. We're, we're told to pray to be to know the will of God for our life. Um, so we, we ought to. But it's also written. It's right here in First Thessalonians four, verse four. <laughs> Sorry, trying to find it here. Verse three, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God. You want to know the will of God for your life? Do you want to know why you're facing trials and tribulations? Do you want to know why you're facing suffering? It's for your sanctification. It's for my sanctification. 
It's, you know, it's Romans 5. Through him, we've attained access by faith into this grace, which we stand and we we rejoice in the hope and the knowledge of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. And so it is God's will for us to be sanctified. And he does it through suffering. He does it through the cross. He Mm -hmm. does it through trials and tribulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I've like, for me, I've always pondered that um, verse in Romans where it's like, you know, produces character that produces perseverance. Sorry, I'm jumbling it up. I'm terrible at paraphrasing. That produces ultimately suffering, endurance, okay. character, hope. So first you have the suffering, which then is supposed to produce endurance as you're waiting through the ending of the suffering. And then the, the endurance then produces character. character. And that's true because he's revealing probably all these things inside of us that are not of him, that are totally of the flesh, that are not fruits of the spirit. And then that character produces hope. And I've always been like, how do you jump from like those, you know, like endurance, suffering, and then it's like, how does that then produce hope? But honestly, going through what we've walked through the last three years and the wrestle of like trying to control what I can control and be good enough to to please God and receive these blessings, it has been the most fiery trial, I think, that we've really had to walk through, not just in the trying to conceive, but also our three losses of our babies. We've had three miscarriages, Mm -hmm. unexplained, very different losses, um, some early and some quite late into our second trimester. And that completely shakes everything because how do you, how do you reason with that? But what I'm finding is what I'm trying to get back to is it is this crucible the trial, it's like his thumb being pressed on my heart and will not let up. And learning like every moment, every time that I think that I'm like, I can't do it anymore. He shows up. Mm. And that is what this like, it produces this like unhumanly possible amount of hope Mm -hmm. because you know that it's not an earthly thing that we can produce but it's actually god doing something so deep inside of you Mm -hmm. that's producing a hope in an eternal god and father who's intricately involved in our lives who sees us who loves us whose eye is upon us whose eyes burn with jealousy for us because he's he's everything he does is for our good and so it produces this hope to say like God will always show up and God has a plan. Yeah, and I think he's the, not aloof. <laughs> the hope the, the hope that it produces is the hope that we see in Hebrews, Hebrews 11 with faith. That hope isn't oh, I have hope that the breakthrough will finally come. I mean mm-hmm. we do. It's not the hope that oh, my circumstances will change. It's hope in his character. It's hope that we are with him. You know, it's like, how do I say, as we're on this journey and we're in this process, the Lord changes 
our focus from our circumstances changing and mm-hmm. we having breakthrough in our circumstances into our hope being, as you said, in, an internal hope. Because we have hope because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which is mm-hmm. this hope is a hope of eternal glory. This hope is a hope of communion with God. This hope is changing our perspective from temporary trials and tribulation to eternal communion. And so it's it's a reshifting of our entire focus away from the temporal things, even if they're temporal things that we've been promised or holding on to, but we find that our promise is in him. Our promises are found in Christ. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And it's there that we find our hope. It's there that we find our rest. And we then, in some ways, it begins to, you know, it's, it's if, if we ask the question of why, why is this happening? What did I do? How do I fix it? Even if we got the answer, it wouldn't solve the anguish. And instead, instead of him giving us the answers to why, he gives us the person of Christ. He gives us the spirit who is the comforter. And that changes everything. Changes everything. Because he then encounters us in a deep place of communion. Yeah. And that is what satisfies our soul. That's the thing that we're longing for. It's relationship. It's the person of of Christ communing with us and abiding in him. And in that we have eternal hope. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. It's this, us thinking it's about the fulfillment of a promise Mm. and realizing along the the way that is never it's actually not about the promise being fulfilled and for me it's been yeah it's not even it's like obviously the desire to grow our family is still there it's deep inside of me but it's changed from got to get the promise got to get the promise when is my promise coming god give me another dream of like this promise that's coming to being like god just give me yourself mm. it is about us having you and in the journey it's so easy to want to or not even want to it's like you're so it's you're so weary that often in our flesh we want to comfort ourselves or we want comfort you know Mm -hmm. we are desperate for comfort and it's this cry to God to say like don't let me leave you don't let me turn away It's our cry to God. It's our our cry cry to God God is saying, I know you won't leave me, but preserve me that I might not leave you. Yeah, because it is about our oneness. It's about, you know, being one with God, Mm. fellowship and intimacy with him. Mm. And he'll go, you know, he'll do whatever he needs to do to, to rid us of ourselves. Because... I think, yeah, we are, we're all just way too entitled, <laughs> entitled human beings that think <laughs> that this life is about us and our happiness and our joy and our comforts and what's, what works for me. And really it's about losing our life so that we'll find it in him. And that has been this last 
three and a half years. And I'm so thankful to say like, it's actually still going on. It's not like I'm, I've arrived. I realized like, no, this is, this is forever. This is actually, Lord, keep me in this place of longing so that I never forget how much I need you. Mm. Keep me from the place of honoring you with my, my lips and my heart being far from you. Mm. Like keep me ever before the flame of your love, of your burning heart for me, because just like sheep, we all go astray. And I'm like, God, (laughs) this life is not about me. It's not about what I think should happen. It is literally unto him. Mm. And I, I mean that now more now than I ever have, because I realize, like, gosh, it's not about these fulfillments ever happening. And what if I get to the end of my life and I never see that promise happening, but I, I come at the end knowing like I have a God that actually sees me and loves me and I am being made into his image. Mm. That's what I want. That's all, that's all I want. <laughs> mm. That's all us as, well, as, as humans, but you know, this is a parenting podcast, marriage and parenting. Family but like, that is then completely directly correlated with how we parent our kids and lead them to their sanctification and help them along the journey. Um, It's as he's sanctifying us that we actually can extend that to our children too. It's like, it's a totally redirecting the aim of our individual lives and then the aim of our family, the aim of our existence from achieving temporal breakthroughs in the natural realm to seeing our lives as something that is on a, you know, multi-generational story arc where we are looking to, and our lives are orientated to an eternal perspective, an eternal God. And I think that totally redirects, you know, as that happens in ourselves, I think that totally begins to redirect where we then lead as individuals, where we lead as parents and how we lead because it changes the goal. The goal is no longer earthly, worldly, immediate gratification, but it's our perpetual and eternal sanctification. And if we're, if we're parent, parenting to have ourselves by example, by proxy, if we want in our marriage or in ourselves to reach the temporal place of comfort and safety, then our kids will see that and we'll parent in that way. We won't delay gratification. We will, we will try to shelter our, our children from those sufferings. Now, some, of course, we do shelter them from. Some, of course, we do comfort them in. But I think it changes the entire direction that we go as a family and the entire purpose of who we are as a family in a totally different direction. That it's now about our eternal sanctification and it's about loving our brothers and sisters. It's about honoring our, our elders and our parents and it's about loving one another and it's about loving our wives and respecting our husbands and living quiet and dignified lives 
rather than I, I need to achieve something. I need to fill my soul with the, the breakthrough in this moment, in this lifetime, rather than looking for a city whose founder and maker is God, looking and greeting promises from afar. Yeah, that's so good. A lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, just, a lot. Yeah, it's just so thinking good. like, okay, well, then what's the will of God for us in our marriage? It's our sanctification. What's the will of God for us in our family? It's our children's sanctification. What's the will of God for, you know, the trajectory that we that we live? Of course, it's for his glory, but it's our sanctification is for his glory. Our sanctification is for uh worship unto him it's becoming more like him looking like him um, with his character and his nature yeah and you know you mentioned how in parenting it's like for our kids sanctification it's like through parenting that's another a whole nother level of sanctification where god is like here these are all the areas that you are insecure that you carry uh, shame that you have anger that you have um you're not patient. You're not kind. You're not full of gentleness and kindness and goodness. And he's exposing it time and time again. Why? Because he is after our sanctification and he will use our marriage. He will use us as parents. He'll use our circumstances when, you know, we're not seeing the fruit of what we're believing for. We're not seeing the things that we've been contending and asking God for. And maybe we never do see it, Mm -hmm. but he's using it. He's always using it to sanctify us and at least i've just been thinking over the last couple weeks i'm like why not relent to that why is it so hard to relent to that (laughs) because ultimately that's it like but it is a choice it's why he didn't make us as robots and programmed to be a certain way and always say yes sir it's because it actually has to come from a place of own free will to say god your way is better than mine and i need you so I hard need to you, God. I need you every so hour. Hard. I need you. That actually, that hymn was written by, like, I don't know, back in the 1800s by just a stay-at-home mom who literally was realizing the the hourly need for Jesus in her parenting. <laughs> it just always <laughs> strikes me as like, oh my gosh! I, every I, I sing that song differently now, being like, she's like, wow, you, I need you in every step of the way. Wow. Because without you, I have no idea how to parent. I have no idea wow. how to walk free and teach my kids how to walk in freedom and and be strong, content, confident for us men and obviously women of God to ultimately produce and help produce in them that steadfastness through endurance. And it's another topic for another day is mm. walking through grief with your kids and not sheltering them from it because that actually is, wow, such a beautiful way to let God show up for them as we walk through that with our kids because it's real. That's that's real life. <laughs> and anyway, I think I probably have to. That's uh, a great place to end for today. <laughs> so, man. It's our sanctification, the suffering, the trials, the tribulation, the, the seasons of wilderness. It is actually to transform us into 
something beautiful. It's to refocus our lives and the direction of our lives into something eternal. Yep. So give in. <laughs> give in. Give in. Give in. And relent because otherwise you're going to come out of this wrestle with a big old limp in your step because of <laughs> 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 who knows why. But let's wrestle with God and actually allow him to sanctify us in the process and know that he fashions and forms us and he's the potter and we are the clay and he knows what he's doing. And for some reason, it's unto our good. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for listening. I'm Lucas. I'm Rachel. And we're the Scrobots. And this is Batteries Not Included. And uh, we'll see you next time. Give in. So good, so vulnerable.